He's Christian. He's Jimmer. This is two PTs and a bag of chips. I can't say that, apparently. <laughs> you can say it. No, not anymore. Okay, fine. Then not, not anymore. You say it. Today we are welcoming Mary Carey to the pod. Finally. Thanks, Mary, for coming and joining us. Sure. She has brought with her some Ruffles original, but what makes it so spe- special is she has special. some Hidden Valley Dips Ranch in sour cream. So we will be dipping these Ruffles. Uh, we'll be dipping them. We're going to dip, dip, dip away. In sour cream. In sour cream. Why doesn't it like heavy cream? Wouldn't that be better? Mm-mm. Heavy cream? Yeah. Like whipped cream? Whipped cream? I don't... Do you... Ranch whipped cream would be an odd mouth <laughs> experience. <laughs> I think it'd be yummy. M- maybe you're right. Maybe you're maybe. on to something. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Mary is... She specializes in, in coaching beginner and intermediate athletes of all distances. She's a triathlete herself and runner. Uh, she's also a certified swim coach and swim instructor. She's just an all-around badass. Can I say that on the radio? Yeah, we used that last week. We decided yeah. last week we can say ass as much as we want. That makes no. her a badass. There's really nobody. A badass squared. Yeah. Uh, Mary began coaching in 2001. Wow. That's Maybe. a long time. 2000, 2001. 2000. Something like that. I read this off the bio. <laughs> off the bio. There's a bio? Yeah. There's bios everywhere. She's now focused on personal and small group coaching in Denver. Read this on the bio, too. <laughs> You're and, all prepared. Uh, I know. He USA Triathlon Certified Coach Level 1. What does that mean? Yeah, what does that level mean? Level 1 coach. It means I've gone through the USA Triathlon's certification program. Okay. So you're official. Uh, sure. That's pretty <laughs> freaking awesome. And then you are also a Slow Twitch Certified Triathlon Swim Coach down at Swim Labs. What does Slow Twitch mean? Don't say the opposite of fast switch. <laughs> it is the opposite. I know, but what does it mean? <laughs> it's got to mean something, yeah. It's another triathlon group that is offering some coaching certifications. Uh, so really the name cool. of the team is Slow Twitch. Yeah, the name of the organization. Gotcha. Yeah. I thought it was some kind of special, like, like ultra mm-hmm. slow twitch. I am mm-hmm. ultra slow. So like Tai Chi and <laughs> ultra slow. You swam, for that Ultraman that you did, that was what, eight miles? 6.2. Let's go to, oh, let's go was, to the start here. Let's talk about only Ultraman. 6.2 miles. What, what is Ultraman exactly, Mary? Well, so the one I did is called Ultra 520K Canada. So it is a three-day ultra-distance triathlon. First day is 6.2-mile swim and a 93-mile bike. The second day is a 171-mile bike. And the third day is a 50. 2.4 mile run. You mean like, like a in double one marathon? Yeah, and I, that's why I was get hung up on the numbers because I like, can't do math very well. Apparently. No, that's so that's for people who are bored. <laughs> yes, you heard me well. Who are bored with normal triathlons because normal triathlon is just, <laughs> just boring. One, it's just stuff. one day. It's one day. <laughs> it's one day. <laughs> Anyone can run a triathlon. I mean, one anybody day. can train for one of those. So much. why wouldn't you just run? two marathons in one day and make that the final day of your Ultraman. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Nothing wrong with me. We have to go up 56 flights of stairs in two weeks. See? What's wrong with you? We're going to need oxygen. I can barely get up a flight of stairs. Actually, Stephanie said she would carry me. Oh. (laughs) She suggested that I carry you also, which was... I don't care who carries me. As long as someone's... As as long as someone is carrying There's going to be carriage. Is that how it's called? When you're being carried? Carriage? A, A carriage carries people... 
So maybe. I like the idea. I feel like it would be harder to get a carriage up a flight of stairs than just you, though. I'm going to be like those swimmers. I'm going to shave my whole body so I'll be faster going up the <laughs> stairs. I mean, I wonder how much weight you could shave. A couple ounces at least. That's got to be helpful. I mean, if it was a bicycle, that costs like $5,000 to shave that kind of weight. Yeah. So. What he said. So that, that's always really good. <laughs> no, I like that. But back to the Ultraman. Yeah. Um, how many participants were there in this particular Ultraman? There were 32. And you can't just sign up, right? It's It's by invite or you have to have some kind of resume. Yeah, you submit an application and then they accept it or so not. So it's 32, and after 32, 30 people finished, mm -hmm. and you were one of the finishers. Yes. Again, that makes freaking badass, right? <laughs> oh, no, there's the, that the is very insane. Small, it's a very small crew. That is absolutely insane. Well, hats off. I mean, I'm still in awe. When I, when I found out that you did it, I was in awe. I'm still in awe. There's <laughs> no way in hell I could do that. No, you could. you could offer me a million dollars. I couldn't do it. Like, well, that would have been nice to have a million dollars. Maybe in like no. five <laughs> months of like total activity, I would get to that level. Yeah. Six miles of swimming. I would drown. I can't swim across the pool. I'm like a seahorse. Vertical. Could, could you, can, you, can you use like like fins or like a kickboard or are you allowed like. You can wear a wetsuit. Do you have one of those things that holds a wetsuit your nose shut? A wetsuit will mm -hmm. make me drown. No, it makes you float. I don't Have you seen me float? I what, guarantee you would float. What is your wetsuit suit? made of? Is it like a leather Neoprene. bomber's jacket? Get <laughs> My wetsuit? Yeah. Your wetsuit's made out of Yeah, it's bricks. like a, it's like firefighter's equipment. So oh, like yeah, the big yeah. boots and it's good. You just no wonder you're sinking. It's all water resistant. Isn't that basically what a wetsuit is? We should put you in like a NASA space suit. Just let you swim in that. With the big helmet? Yeah. <clears throat> that would look great. I don't think that would work. No? No. You'd, no, I, have, you'd have a couple hours I of air. I don't even know. Even if I could do it, I don't know how you find the motivation and the stamina to do it. Yeah, I've been question. working out two days a week since January 1st. This is the longest time I've ever gone working out two days a week. Have you noticed? No, you can't freaking tell because <laughs> nothing happens. <laughs> but just the sheer motivation for me to go like, I could probably do a couple other things today. I, maybe I should skip the, uh, I'm feeling really sick. So I should go for probably a short 100 mile in. bike ride. We, I had a really long day. Maybe I shouldn't go in today. Got six hours of exercise on my schedule for today. Yeah. Where do I? Not, so, just how do you motivate yourself? I think because I love it. I mean, there's very few. Nobody loves swimming for 6.2 miles. No, I really did. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> did your fingers get like all wrinkly? Probably. Or pruny? Probably. Stennis, I don't really remember. But... Did you have to wear like Vaseline or anything? Or how's, no, because the water going? was really warm and. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but really you, nice. you do it because you love it. Mm -hmm. you, so you, you're getting, like, something out of it. So there's clearly yep. something wrong in your... <laughs> yeah, I mean, after you were done, you are like, you know, you spent three days just exercising all day. How many days until you started, like, exercising again? Did you give it, like, a few hours? Did you go at it, like, a couple weeks later? I think I took... I can't remember. I think I took a full week off completely. Wow. Which I couldn't tell you when I've ever done that. And then... It took, I would say, two months before I felt normal. Yeah. yeah. Well, like what what was hurting or what was what was off? I don't know. It was just really deep fatigue. Like I slept a lot in the first week after. I slept a ton. I slept 12, 13, 14 hours at night. I napped during the day. Like I was just Your body's exhausted. just depleted. Yeah. And then I, mean, I would try to work out like a couple weeks later, and I just felt like I'd never worked out before. It was just hard, and everything was just heavy so it That's took insane. a while 
I mean, because you've had rhabdomyosis in the past, and I mean, what have you done differently since then in terms of training? I mean, your mileage obviously is. Yeah. Do you need to explain what rhabdomyosis is? So rhabdomyosis is essentially when your body feels that your muscles are not part of it anymore and now starts to attack it like it's a foreign object. It, yeah. it, it occurs as a result of, of excessive training or excessive exposure to uh, non-comfortable conditions. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, since the doctors never really figured out why I was getting it, because um, I could get it from 30 minutes of shoveling my driveway. So they never really figured it out. So I made sure that I was really hydrated all the time. And I really gradually built up my distance. Like I didn't just start swimming, especially for swimming, because I tend to have issues where it manifests in my arms. So instead of just going out and starting to swim for an hour right off the bat, I literally started with like 500 yards twice a week. And then I did... 800 yards twice a week. Like I started a year out really slowly building that up to make sure I didn't have any flare-ups and I didn't. And I was really worried about it during the event because that would have ended it on day one or day two. But I didn't really have any issues. Got through all three days. That's awesome. Which kind of brings us to to sort of the first question is what should everybody sort of know when they're starting to train for any kind of distance, you know, running, cycling, swimming, whatever? Um... I would say to take your time with it. I think everyone wants to rush into everything and they think they should be able to run four miles two weeks after they start a program. And so just easing into things and, you know, letting your body kind of adjust to that, not rushing. I mean, that's kind of the same thing we tell a lot of individuals, but most people don't do a good job listening <laughs> by the time they come see us is usually what's happened. True. Or somebody's tried to, to kind of cram a, whatever distance triathlon in in a very short period of time yes and so uh, i mean if you're going to start training for something how far in advance do you like to begin i mean is there a metric for that or a well i think it depends on the distance that you want to race mm-hmm. and your background and your base going into that so i didn't have much swim background because the doctors had had me quit swimming for years so i started as if I had never swam before. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing 500 yards twice a week, which is nothing. And by the time I was done, I was swimming between two and five miles three days a week. I mean, 500 yards in terms of total time, I mean, how long is that going to take the average sort of non-swimmer to complete? It's 20 laps, right, in a 25-yard pool. So I would say like an average-ish. I mean, that's so hard to say. Because I have friends that would swim that in a minute 15 per 100. Mm-hmm. And then I have friends who would swim it in three minutes per 100. So, I don't know, take two minutes per 100 maybe and say, you know, 10 minutes. Ten, so, I wasn't in the pool very long. Yeah. So, I, think, I mean, I think that's really important for people to understand that are trying to get into something when they haven't done in the past. Is, I mean, you're, you're starting at a very, very low level. And you're just allowing your body to get used to these changes that you're really asking it to do as you move forward. Now that you've kind of are training a lot of people, what are the what are the things that you kind of work on to prevent injury other than kind of working into stuff slowly? Do you do you cross train a lot or Yeah, so I like to <clears throat> include a lot of people will say, "Well, I just don't have any time and they want to swim, bike and run because that's 
the sport that they're training for. But I like to try to get in some core work, even if it's 10, 15, 20 minutes, because for me, when I do it religiously, I'm way less fatigued in the swim. I'm way less fatigued on the bike because I feel like my body can support the activity a little bit better. Uh, but easing into things I think is important. Run-walk intervals for people, and they'll say, well, I just want to run. But if their schedule says a 20-minute session, let's say, then they may end up running 10 or 12 minutes. But when they fade out from that and they can't run as much anymore, it becomes a lot of walking. So I like to look at more of a run-walk from the start just to let the body adjust to the process. Taking into account all these things, I mean, how much – do you see that if somebody is good at cycling already that it's easier to get them to, to swim or it's easier to get them to run or is, it, or is it the opposite? So swimming is typically the outlier because swimming is 90% technique. So I've had guys come in who are super fit, hardly any body fat on them, really strong on the bike, really fast on the run. and pretty atrocious in the water when they start out. And it's because they want to muscle through it because they have the strength, they have the fitness. But swimming is so technique-based that almost nothing, like I came into triathlon from a marathon background and I thought, I run a marathon in my sleep. This will be easy. And swimming was not easy. It was just so technique heavy. So that's a hard transfer. I think a lot of people come to triathlon from running and it is relatively easy to get them into the cycling piece, although I was a terrible cyclist when I started. And I couldn't understand <laughs> why I was a terrible cyclist, but I worked hard at it, and now it's probably my strength. So I think there can be some crossover. You may have a cyclist who can turn into a good runner, but a lot of times it doesn't immediately present itself that way. Yeah, and swimming, you can since it's the start of the triathlon, you can waste so much energy on that first part, and it'll affect everything else, right? Yeah, definitely. Right now, are there a lot of injuries that you see related to, to swim or cycle or, or running or just triathletes in general that, that you're noticing popping up more and more? I think I hear a lot about plantar fasciitis. I think we hear that quite a bit. Not, I don't ha necessarily have a lot of athletes that deal with it, but in Facebook groups that I'm in and triathlon groups that I'm in, I hear about it quite a bit. Knee stuff, which knock on something I've never really had knee injuries in particular but I hear I think IT band is probably the biggest one I think everyone struggles that I hear from struggles from tight IT bands and then you know that whole chain I think from the hips mm -hmm. and those hips are down. those are classic overuse symptoms yeah, right I mean, really... overuse injuries is once you start stressing your body to that extent and not have a lot of time for a recovery stuff will break down. So yeah, that's classic. Patellar tendonitis, mm -hmm. um, IT band, um, plantar fasciitis, shin splints, those type oh, of yeah. Achilles itis. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, that would make sense. I mean, because Mary, we've been treating you for some of the more entertaining of diagnoses probably. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep you guys on your toes. I mean, what's, the, what's your most favorite injury that we've treated you for probably at this point? Oh, gosh. There's just too many good ones. I'm thinking, I'm thinking inflammation of the hip fat's probably my, the worst my one. My hip fat pain. <laughs> the hip fat pain. <laughs> Even though you insist that fat cannot have pain. Uh, correct. I am pretty sure mine has pain. <laughs> hey, and I believe you. 
Outside hip, hip fat pain. Outside hip fat pain. Didn't we have an acronym for it? I'm pre- yeah, I can't think of it right now, but it was it was pretty good. So if anybody out there has any issues with their outside hip fat, like pain, or, um, come see us because we're experts. We, we are the experts. On outside hip fat pain. That is correct. Issues. You so. won't find another Number one. PT out there. World's greatest. That's right. I think we can, you know, summarize Mary's issues with with, with, the, with similar problems, you know, overuse, inadequate recovery. You know, she's clearly in tune with her body, so we don't see a lot of the, the, the classical issues. But <clears throat> you can't just go out and train that hard and, and not focus on recovery and, and not have your body break down eventually. So the key, I, I believe, and this is just my humble opinion, when when you're training for anything that is any kind of endurance sport and it could be triathlon or marathons or it could be guys that love doing 100 mile races centuries you have to build in some some kind of recovery and some kind of crossover and you just have to be in tune with your body if stuff starts to break down you have to be willing to shut it down and and then the recovery tends to be a lot quicker Mm -hmm. would you agree with that yeah totally well i think we see that with mary in general i mean she comes in pretty quick every time doesn't let it get carried away and you know, it was right. treated for, for a couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah, recovery is a week or two. And, and you don't really have to shut down. You just have to be smart about what you do. Yeah. And I think that's a, I'm hoping that's a trend that we see in a lot of endurance sports where if you're training for a marathon and, you know, you gradually ratchet up the distances, you don't have to do five, six, seven, 20 mile runs right before you do your marathon, right? You can do a lot of endurance training in smaller bits. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there may be gradually a change in, in how people perceive endurance training. I remember when my daughter was swimming, that's all they did, 10, 12, 15,000 yards in the pool every practice. There's got to be a better way to train. Seems really uncomfortable. I mean, there's that one guy, the swimming Olympic guy, who uh, who just trains at speed at the distances he's doing. Mm-hmm. That's all he does. Yep. And, he, and he's in the pool for, you know, a fraction of the time as everyone else and his I mean, maybe it's just him, but everyone, his numbers are very good. Yeah, that, that may not work for everybody, but I can guarantee you that there are better ways and more efficient ways to train mm-hmm. than to just spend hours and hours and hours stomping away at it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you feel you have to put in the miles, you have to put in the yards. or There, there are better ways to do that. Well, I'm pretty conservative with my own training and with my coaching on the run, especially for Ironman distance. People want to spend, I think, a little too much time on these super long runs, too many maybe long runs, when if you, I think you can do a lot more work on the bike, which is a lot lower impact on your body, and reap the benefits at the marathon at Ironman. Yep, because it's a compound issue, right? I mean, you never, I mean, you do brick work, but you never train all three events in a row. At least I don't think most people would train that. You're going to end up Stressing your body in a way that it's not used to, and which, which kind of leads me to my to my. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say I think at my for my ultra, my longest run that was a specific build up for that race was half the race distance. I yeah. didn't I didn't go any higher than that. I had done a 50k earlier in the year, but it, well, you wouldn't even consider that part of the build up because it was way too far ahead. I did it for fun, but <laughs> well, <laughs> I, fun. Know, I know that yeah. sounds weird. But I only did a marathon. I only did 26 miles as my biggest run leading up to. A 52 a 52 mile. mile, yeah. No, because you're eventually your body is going to understand what it is that you're asking of it, and you, there's going to be run walks anyways. So, 
you know, learning to feel what it can tolerate, I think will benefit you a lot. So I was going to ask, uh, I'm sorry, Christian, no, go um, about nutrition, because a lot of the patients that I've treated in the past, once they've completed a triathlon, that's their biggest issue, is being able to eat or drink during the event. Mm-hmm. And so they end up dehydrated or with, you know, GI issues either during or after the event. So do you have any tips as far as nutrition is concerned? Um, I usually just say practice it and practice it well ahead. You know, and I tell people all the time that your Saturday long ride or long break or whatever it is, like you you get up that morning, you eat the same breakfast that you're going to eat, the same amount of hours prior to starting the workout, and then you get on your nutrition and hydration plan every 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever your intervals are, and you do it all the way through the workout, and you see how you feel. And you see, okay, I feel great, felt like I had enough energy, no GI. If something didn't work, then the next week you change something. We, we look at, do you need fewer calories, more calories? Do we need a different type of fuel? Is that sugar source not work for you? Whatever it is. And as soon as you nail it, it's the same thing every time to make sure it works in the heat, make sure it works when you're doing race pace versus easy just practicing it and knowing that not everyone is the same and you'll hear people say, oh, it, you know, Scratch is the best product out there or, you know, whatever is the best product out there. But And it might be great for them. It might be terrible for me. Right. You know, and so I, you could take 10 Ironman athletes and you'll get 10 different nutrition plans. And you could try one. You could try mine. You can try someone else's, but it may not work for you. So it's just a trial and error to some extent and understanding how many carbohydrates the body can consume and process at work in an hour. You know, you could shovel in all kinds of calories, but your body can only tolerate a certain amount, especially running because your stomach tends to divert so that your muscles can be doing harder work. So you kind of have to understand where to start with that, but just playing around with it. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a big issue that a lot of starting triathletes maybe don't spend enough time focusing on. True. You know, mm-hmm. I'll figure out, I'll have a banana and a couple of stingers. Right. Um, but, you know, that's when, unfortunately, we still see people dying at these events. And I think a lot of that has to do with their body just breaking down. I mean, how much of that is, you know, pacing and how much training at pace and that kind of stuff is is important? Or um, I think one of the biggest mistakes is just going out too hard. And that can be going out too hard in a marathon. That can be crushing the bike at an Ironman and then having a terrible run. So the pacing starts from the very beginning of the event, whether it's a marathon or a century or an Ironman or a sprint distance try, whatever it is, but kind of understanding and managing your energy for the duration that you're going to be out there. And I do like to do some pace work. I do like to do um, pieces of that so that you can understand what it feels like. But if anything, I always encourage people to be, especially in their first race, pretty conservative early on because you don't know what it's like to be at the end. Right. Comple- Completion is important, right? Yeah. At the first yeah. couple. Yeah. I mean, do you set like a, I mean, like a pacing goal? Like if you're running, do you go like, you know, eight minute, nine minute miles to first, you know, on the bike? Are you looking at the same kind of thing? I mean, what's the, what's the metric for that or how is the, what's the best way to take, I mean, how you feel obviously is important, but. Yeah, I think um, it depends on the athlete. So metrics are great, and I think they're especially power on the bike, things that are objective like that. But we get really tied to the numbers, I think. So 
beginner athletes in today's world versus when I started in the 90s, I had a great feel for my effort level because we didn't have power meters. We had heart rate monitors, but not a lot of people used them and not a lot of people were coaching by them back then. Um, so I think it's important for beginners now to tie in that perceived effort so that if their heart rate monitor dies or if they leave it at home or whatever, mm -hmm. they can understand where they should be with that. Marathon, half marathon runners, if I have an athlete who's fairly experienced um, and we know what their pace goal is going to be, they want to run a 155 half because they want to break two hours, then yeah, I do give them some pacing goals in their workouts because we know pretty specifically what they're capable of and what we're aiming for. A beginner, it's a little bit harder. You have to kind of get through some of that training to understand where they're at and what's a reasonable goal. Mm -hmm. So how many of the individuals that you work with are... I mean, essentially, like, non-athletes just starting to get into some kind of activity. You know, they're getting older. They think it's fun. Their friends do it. Somebody's talked them into it. And, like, how, I mean, how light are we? Are you starting with them? Um, I do get a fair amount of athletes who are either just starting or coming back. Maybe they were did some kind of sport in high school, but they've literally done nothing really active since then. And interestingly, I get a lot of women who are older. I have, I've had several women who've started with me in their 60s or late 50s, and they were never athletes. They didn't have the opportunity to do sports growing up. And so this is a whole new experience for them. And part of it is building the self-esteem piece of it too and, and understanding that you're capable of doing this. You're capable of doing whatever it is you want to do, but we have to ease into it. Um, so we do start pretty late. I've had some athletes where maybe their workout is 15 minutes every other day just to gradually get the body accustomed to the movement and the load and all of that. Nice. And then from a mental standpoint, I mean, what are you thinking about when you're out there for three days or, you know, <laughs> a day? Because like, you're not allowed to use, like, music or anything. I mm -hmm. mean, does the same song keep playing in your head? Sometimes, yes, Baby and it's awful. Shark. Yeah, seriously, it's bad. <laughs> when my kids were little and I would race, I would have kids' songs in my head on the bike, and there would be the exact cadence. Oh, it's awful. I'm pretty sure that's torture in North Korea, right? I know, right? Like it should Bar be. Barney songs <laughs> while running. That's going to be it's awful. terrible. No, I don't know. I think people ask me that a lot. Well, what do you think about? And I think a lot of times I'm thinking about the task at hand. So mm -hmm. when I was swimming... I wasn't swimming fast. I wasn't swimming hard because I knew it was the beginning of a very long three days. So I was thinking about my form and I was thinking about the scenery when I would turn to breathe. I was thinking about my nutrition and hydration schedule, which I didn't have to think as much on the swim because Kim would just signal to me when it was time to eat or drink. And so I didn't really have to think as much. But on the bike, I'm kind of almost always thinking about, okay, it's almost time for me to eat again. Okay, did I take salt at the last hydration break no I'm going to add salt this next time like I really thought entirely too much about eating and drinking <laughs> but I knew so they say in the in the athlete guide for ultra that it says make sure you hydrate and fuel on the swim it sounds silly and you think but I really never eat when I swim I never really but they said dehydration on day one leads to Elvis sightings on day three so they were like don't mess around with your hydration with your nutrition so I made that a huge priority so the the 6.2 mile swim how, how long did that take you uh three hours and 40 something minutes yeah so you, you have to you have to drink or eat yeah when and you're you in wouldn't the water have for three to hours. if you were just going to swim a 10k right 
I don't think you would need to feel much, if at all. I mean, you could feel a little bit and be fine. It would also be faster, I think, because I would have swam it differently. But I knew I had 93 miles on the bike right. as soon as I got out of the water. So I didn't want to get behind. And you had two more days left after well, yeah. that. So <laughs> you can't starve your body on day one. No, I didn't want to get behind. Cross-training. But, I mean, how much kind of like non-run? Do you, like, encourage elliptical? Do you encourage, you know, a stair stepper? I mean, are there other kind of things in there that, that, that you like to see or is it just kind of oh it's snowing today don't run outside kind of deal or? yeah so it kind of depends if uh, an athlete is dealing with coming back from an injury or something like that we're looking for a lighter impact sometimes we'll do the elliptical instead because at least gives you those kind of that motion mm-hmm. um, if an athlete's going to do a trail race where they're going to have a significant amount of climbing um Sometimes I'll have them do, I don't even know what it's called. We've talked about this before, that machine at the gym. It's not a stair stepper, but it's actual stairs that... So like a Jacob's ladder? Yeah, because then you're actually kind of simulating step, literally climbing. I think the stair stepper up and down doesn't really do much. Kind of a goofy machine. None of us are going to do that. But I like the one with the stairs because then you're kind of simulating the hiking or the climbing, Mm -hmm. which you might do. Great. So I've been working out on the Stairmaster to practice for the <laughs> stair climb. To get the Jacobs Get on it. Yeah. I don't think my gym has one of those. Oh, dear. Maybe Find you can, a tall maybe you can talk to the guy and be like, hey, can you get a Jacobs stepper? Yeah. You need yeah. to go climb some stairs. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. I'm going to get carried anyway, so oh, what's the point? So Christian needs to really be I've been training, up, I've been training getting hard. ready. I hit you, the weights this morning. You got a lot to carry. You got to carry this guy and well, yourself. Uh, what are you saying? I mean, he's I'm been working out pretty two light. days a week you are for light. five months, six months. I don't want to carry a bottle of water up that many flights of stairs. No, or a beard. <laughs> so I'm definitely shaving. Are you shaving? Yeah. You need to get aerodynamic for that. Are you going to like shave a mohawk like Mr. T kind of thing? That'd be no, sweet. everything. For like, like a day, just like bald. shave the sides, like keep the Mr. T beard and the whole thing. Nah. That'd be so cool. Yeah, not happening. Your kids would be so proud. Uh, no. Uh, the boys would be so proud. No. The daughter would be like, Dad. 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 It would be great. Not happening. <laughs> I mean, I think we've reached chip time. Ooh, yes. Chip time. I believe I believe so. I mean, so, again, we've got the Ruffles original. This is party size because Mary came to party. <laughs> and then we've got the Hidden Valley Ranch dips in sour cream. It says Ruffles have ridges. So I guess that that's um, like a dip platform. A platform. So, yeah, so did the do dip, you see the size of this The dip chip? holds holds onto that. <laughs> oh, that's like part of it. Oh. Okay, game on. Okay. Let's see how you guys do time. it. See, you guys dip like I dip. Oh, how else would you dip? So this is how Aaron does it. Oh, you scoop? Aaron, no, you Aaron dip. like no. Like Aaron, does, Aaron does the drag. I do the dip. Well, you can't drag. No, it's, I like that's the dip. called dragging. This is dipping. See, Aaron, a full, wrong. A full in <laughs> and out. I'm going to try just a ruffle by itself. I haven't had one of these in a long time. Average at best, right? Well, but then kinda, you add the dip. It's kind of hard to judge it. the chip since it's covered in dip. It, precisely. It is a vehicle for the ranch dip. I mean, the ruffle is a dramatic improvement on the on the Lay's original. Oh, I don't know. I do love the Lay's, though. Do you love the Lay's I do. Original? In fact, on the... The very end of day two. You could not do that. most of day I'm not, three. I'm not tasting much of anything right now. I'm just eating. Aww. I'm just making noise. That stinks. You, you got to redo it when you feel better. The, the dip is nice. I'm a, I'm a big fan of dip, and this is a solid dip. I ate Lay's potato chips. Like, there are pictures of me on day three running, and Brian's running next to me with a 
giant family size bag of Lay's. I guess that's, that's a good, good way to get, you, to get that photo. That's a good way to get I your salt intake in, right? Yeah. We would love that photo. I'll get that photo for you because it's awesome. <laughs> love the dip. Can't the tell dip. you about the ruffles. The ruffle. The ru- I mean, the ruffle. The ruffles. Yeah, they're. But it's the dip. The dip. I mean, yeah, the dip is great. I'm a big fan <laughs> of sour cream in general. Ran- ranch is, is always nice. Dip, dipping the chip in the sour cream brings it to a, at least a one thumb up. Yeah, so that, that would probably be like a like a one thumb down for the ruffles and then two thumbs up for the dip. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the dip is ruined that would by be the chip in this case. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that I think if you had this dip with like a two thumbs up chip, oh, I mean, you'd be, be maxing out. Yeah. You'd be going three. We'd the, the scale would be fully gassed here. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks we're, for bringing we're, the dip. And, and thanks for making it. That was probably part of your morning workout this Sunday. <laughs> You, you, you did that, yes. that was some serious <laughs> stirring going on. <laughs> you gotta get it right. But I mean, you haven't been making like cakes lately. No, no pies, nothing. I have not been baking, but I'm gonna probably do a little bit today. <laughs> there, there's a little backstory there. <laughs> Mary brought this cake in once that was like, I kid you not, like a three-tiered wedding cake. It, it was, was at least a foot a little, and a half, legitimately a foot tall, <laughs> a foot like and a half minimum a full foot of tall. chocolate. And it was only half eaten, so we had to eat the rest, which, you know, we sacrifice our health for that. <laughs> we, we've been digesting for five years. It was, it, was <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was so good. Delicious. So ever since then, we've been kind of fishing for... We do I do know. a lot of fishing oh. for, for cakes. Didn't for I bring goods. cupcakes at some oh, point? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, but not a two-tier right. four-and-a-half-foot chocolate cake. <laughs> That required a wheelbarrow to be moved. <laughs> you cut a slice and it was so heavy it like fell over. It was like it watching took like a tree four come paper down plates. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and that's not four paper plates stacked. It's four paper plates and like to, yeah. to to cover the cake. That was good. It was amazing. Yep. I'll make another one. All right. So, so that worked. Trivia. There's trivia. Oh. Yeah. We always have trivia. Oh, last week's trivia. That was a good one. Yeah. I did not. I did not know that. That was uh, pretty impressive. So, Sing Mary knows? We'll ask her. Okay. What is the only mammal that breathes only through its nose? Don't say elephant. That was wrong. <laughs> or dolphin. Or platypus. No idea. We could bring up platypus, but they've yeah. got only the little nose holes nose. as well. Only through its nose, not through its mouth at all. Yeah. I know. No idea. So it's the horse. What? Yeah. Who knew? Which is pretty cool. So whenever you see all those cool, like, steam photos of horse, that's why, no, that's why because that's the only place they so, breathe through. So is there nothing going through their mouth into their lungs? There's no, the, like... The, there's a flap back there, apparently, and the flap opens when they eat, and that's, and that's it. it. Oh, weird. Yeah. Huh. So it's... That's, yeah, it, it, may be, it may be the uvula or whatever, but I, I'm not... My horse anatomy is pretty poor. <laughs> it would be a horse uvula. It would be a uvula. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Fascinating, though. That was a great question, Christian. That's Nicely one. done. That's a good one. So this week we kind of have two questions. And, we do. Or it's a two-part question. So we're talking Ironman. We're talking endurance training. So 15 people started the first Ironman. How many people completed that? Mm. Don't answer it. That's a good one. That's a good one. And then uh, for, for bonus points or just for other questions, because it's also important and fun, who was the winner of that first ever Ironman? That's, those right. are good questions. So, yeah. So people good getting questions. into the sport, this is probably the history of your sport. Yeah. yeah. You, you should, should know this. You should know a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we forgot to do chip-to-air ratio today. My bad. 
Chip to what? I don't know. Chip to air. It's, it's a very important thing. <laughs> it's, so it's an incredibly important metric. When you, you open the bag, yeah. oh, you check yeah, to see right. how much is chip and how much is air. It's so weird. Chip yeah. to air ratio. Chip to air ratio. I mean, these, these are pretty solid chips. I'm, I'm, I mean, right now it's probably at 40, but we've taken a few handfuls out. So it's probably closer to 50% probably yeah. today. Nice so, job, Ruffles. Good job, Ruffles. Mm-hmm. We usually see more of, in a better chip to air ratio with a, with a crinkle cut or a ruffle chip true. in general. That's true. They tend to take up a little more space in there. Well, thank you for listening today. Thank you, Mary, for coming in. We really appreciate yes, thank it. thank you so much. Thank you, Glad guys. you finally made it. Uh, next week we are going to do some patellofemoral pain, which is appropriate um, as we're going further down. We're going to review some Kim's Magic Pop brown rice chips. We are. Um, which obviously came from Pippa and Jamie because they sound like something we would never want to eat again. <laughs> Brown rice chips. Yeah. That's that's probably going to outdo the whole lentil experience. Yeah, huh? the, the lentils looked better than these, so the hopes are... Why did your brother not like us? I don't know why they don't like us. I don't know where this came from. So you don't want me to bring the kale chips I'm making later? We will try them. <laughs> we'll, yeah, absolutely. But, we'll try anything. But um, Yeah, there's also plantains back there that... I'm really hoping to avoid for as Cri- long as possible. There, yeah, Christian, is, uh, Christian does not eat bananas. And a plantain, even though it's not a banana, I think it's too close. <laughs> They're dangerously gross. Yeah. Too close. Yeah. So for anybody looking to find more information on Mary, uh, go to Facebook. Look up Mary Carey. M-A-R-Y. Y. C-A-R-E-Y. Yeah, and I can guarantee you she's one of the best coaches in town. It's not even close. We've had... Numerous clients of her that just swear by her. So if you're if you're looking at getting into the sport, if you're um, or just looking at getting a little healthier in general, please, please, please look her up. You're gonna love her. And the other way to contact her directly would be in transition coaching at yahoo.com. So email her, message her, look and her all, up on Facebook. All this stuff will be on our information. Yeah, we'll too, we'll right? link it all up again. I gotta say happy birthday to my mom. Her birthday is on uh, Tuesday. Should we sing for Hanukkah? Uh, we we can sing for lungs all saliva, lungs all saliva, lungs all saliva in the chloria, in the chloria, in the chloria. Hippity-peep, hoorah! Hippity-peep, hoorah! Hippity-peep, hoorah! Van harte gefeliciteerd, Hanukkah. Happy birthday, mom. Uh, anybody who needs more information on... Uh, Kind of Rebound Therapy and Wellness Clinic, check out our website, reboundclinic.com. Uh, check out the Instagram and Twitter for much more information this week. We're going to have a bunch of stuff to, to link and connect. And we appreciate all of the donations to this point that we've gotten for uh, the Fight for Air Climb coming up on March 3rd, 7 a.m. at Republic Plaza. We are team four at the moment, so yes. we didn't make the top three. No. So we don't get the pick. So we are starting at 7, I guess. Which is fantastic because it'll probably take me until 5 p.m. to finish. So, you know, one floor every 20 minutes. Something like that. Yeah, that sounds like a safe <clears throat> pace. That's it for today. It was fantastic. Yes, thank, thank you, Mary. Mary. Thanks, guys. He's Jimmer. I'm Christian. Thanks for listening. <laughs>